Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Alexa. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. everybody and welcome to the sports beat with Richard Holdrich presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. We have got a great show for you today. You are listening to us on Noonan Zone. WQEE 99.1 FM the key. I'm going to have New Mexico Lightning midfielder Tanya Chavez on the show. Every now and then I like getting frequent guests. Tanya has been Part of the show since the beginning here on WQEE as I'm approaching my two-year anniversary. And joining me later in the show is Matt Austin as we are going to preview the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Detroit Lions. Matt Austin is a lifelong Lions fan and I've known him for a couple of years now. He was the photographer for the Columbus Rapids. We also did a podcast together called Columbus Rapids Weekly. And he has called some Columbus Rapids games with me, including filling in for me for play-by-play and did an outstanding job. He loves talking sports, and so I couldn't think of a better guest to bring on the sports beat. And I do appreciate those weekly guests that I had in the beginning of the podcast that helped me out, like Gabe Reynolds, Tanya Chavez, Rob Frazier, Justin Dale, Brad Page, Jenny Fisher, I appreciate all of them. And Tanya took time out of her busy schedule to be on the show. So we have got a great one. I'm going to talk about the hiring of Jim Harbaugh to the Los Angeles Chargers. What impact is Coach Harbaugh going to make in his first year with the Chargers? This is a dysfunctional franchise. Can he turn it around? And in that division, I'm going to get into what we've got going on tonight on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. It is rivalry week. We have a huge game on Georgia Alabama Sports Live. Glenwood and Lee Scott. Unbelievable. It's happening at the pit. And we had some college basketball last night. Columbus State taking on Flagler College. And then Alabama getting a huge upset over Auburn. And Georgia getting a narrow victory over LSU. So let's go ahead and get this show started. Jim Harbaugh to the Los Angeles Chargers. Sounds big, doesn't it? Look, he wins everywhere. He took my team, the San Francisco 49ers, who were a joke of a franchise for almost a decade. He turned them around and led them to three straight NFC Championship games. And in between, a Super Bowl appearance. And he did it with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick as his quarterbacks. He's walking into a situation where he has Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. The Chargers are a dysfunctional franchise, but I believe that he is going to establish the culture 
win immediately, and the Chargers will be competing for a Super Bowl. You look at the coaches that the Chargers had before, Brandon Staley, Anthony Lynn, it just didn't work out. They did not hire the right coach. They have the right quarterback. They got the pieces in place. Like Joey Bosa, I don't know if Khalil Mack stays there, but Derwin James, you got a Rashad Slater, a left tackle, you got Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Justin Herbert is a top five quarterback in this league. I do feel that Jim Harbaugh is going to win right away. And what better place to win than the bright lights of Hollywood? He doesn't have to be the focal point in the L.A. media because L.A. really focuses on the Dodgers and the Lakers. The Los Angeles Chargers have been little brother to the Los Angeles Rams and even to USC. USC seems bigger than the Chargers right now. I do believe that SoFi Stadium is going to sell out. You're still going to have... You're visiting fans that are going to be packing the stadium, but Jim Harbaugh is going to bring the fan base back to L.A. And I do believe that the Los Angeles Chargers could eclipse the Los Angeles Rams as the best team in football in the city of Los Angeles. And with Jim Harbaugh winning a national championship in Michigan, he's just got to win a Super Bowl. He witnessed his brother beat him in a Super Bowl, and he just wants a challenge. And how fun is that game next year at SoFi Stadium when the Baltimore Ravens come into town to take on the Chargers? I love it when Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh face each other off. I saw that in the Super Bowl, and Jim Harbaugh almost pulled it off. If they'd called pass interference on Michael Crabtree, the 49ers would have hoisted their sixth Lombardi trophy. This is a great hire for the Chargers. Now, the question is, does he keep Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator? Vic Fangio, his former defensive coordinator in San Francisco, just left Miami. Does he hire Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator? While you're at it, why don't you go hire Greg Roman as your offensive coordinator? Just keep the same 49ers culture that was successful more than a decade ago. Now, as for Michigan, they made the right hire by hiring the interim coach last year that went 7-0, Sharon Moore. Sharon Moore is going to win right away because not a whole lot of players at Michigan are going to leave. That's a good fit as well. And can you believe it that three out of the four head coaches that went to the college football playoff are no longer there? That tells you about the landscape of college football, and I do believe that Michigan is going to be fine. Right now, if you're an Ohio State fan, you could celebrate that you don't have to face Jim Harbaugh every year. And Ryan Day, a little sigh of relief. He could sleep a little bit better at night. But still, Sharon Moore beat Ryan Day head-to-head in the Michigan-Ohio State game. So, come on. College basketball, locally here to the Chattahoochee Valley, the Columbus State Cougars fell to Flagler College 88-85 to in overtime. Their record is now 9-7 overall, 3-4 in the Peach Belt. Flagler College improves to 11-6 overall, 4-3 in the Peach Belt. The Cougars were led by Jarrett Adderton with 23 points, and Wisdom Ubo scored 22. The Columbus State Cougars will host Lander University this Saturday, January 27, 3.30 p.m. at the Lumpkin Center. As for the Columbus State Lady Cougars, they defeated Flagler 62-54 as they improved their overall record to 8-7 overall, 4-3 in the Peach Belt. 
as Jasmine Ray Stevens led the Lady Cougars with 15 points. She shot 54% from the field, and Breland Snipes chipped in with 10 points and 9 rebounds. Flagler College falls to 7-10 overall, 2-5 in the Peach Belt, and the Lady Cougars will be in action this Saturday, 1.30 tip-off at the Lumpkin Center. And both games you can catch on 88.5 WCUG. College basketball last night, a huge upset at Coleman Coliseum as the Alabama Crimson Tide get the 79-75 upset win over number 8 Auburn. It was only Auburn's third loss of the season as Alabama, they bounce back after losing to Tennessee over the weekend. The Alabama Crimson Tide get the win and uh, let me tell you something. I mean, this is a big rivalry. I mean, that's beyond the question. I mean, it's a huge rivalry in football. It also is a pretty big rivalry in basketball. I have a conspiracy theory that Nate Oates has brought back the Alabama Crimson Tide program, you know, getting the overall number one seed last year, to Providence, mainly because he saw what Bruce Pearl did at Auburn getting them to the Final Four in 2019. And Alabama wants to try to do the same. They did make it to the Elite Eight back in 2002. I remember that because they upset Stanford. But Alabama basketball has had some very good players over the last 10 years. We're talking Colin Sexton, Brandon Miller's over at the Charlotte Hornets. They do play LSU on Saturday. And you can catch that game on ESPN. Meanwhile, the Georgia Bulldogs, which are getting no respect. Joe Lenardi doesn't even have them as a bubble team. They get the narrow 68-66 victory over LSU. Russell Teshewa gets the go-ahead three-point play. Seconds remaining in the game. And Georgia's now 14-5 and on the season this Saturday. Going down to Gainesville to take on their longtime rival, the Florida Gators, who have always been a basketball powerhouse. I've never really liked that Florida won those back-to-back -back national titles in 2006 and 2007. And... They've kind of fallen off a little bit since Billy Donovan left for the NBA. But should be a lot of fun. Kennesaw State, they lose another home game at the Convocation Center last night. They lose to North Alabama. And right now, I still think they're one of the favorites to make it to the NCAA tournament. Right now, they're 13-7 and overall. They'll take on Central Arkansas this week. If you look at the standings, Eastern Kentucky's 5-0, and but they're 9-9 and overall. University of North Florida's 4-1, Kennesaw State's 4-2. Right behind them is Lipscomb with a 3-2 record. I still believe the Kennesaw State Owls are going to make the NCAA tournament. Last night in the association, late last night, the Atlanta Hawks lose to the Golden State Warriors 134-112. The Atlanta Hawks, they're a bubble play-in team. 18-26. And, you know, DeJounte Murray, who is a good player, he is a former All-Star, it's just not working out with him and Trey Young in that backcourt. I think that DeJounte Murray will be traded before the February 8th trade deadline. They had a pretty good offensive output. They just did not get anything done from the bench. What's happened to A.J. Griffin? He had a good rookie year. He's just not getting playing time. There's no consistency with the Atlanta Hawks. 
This Friday, they will host the Dallas Mavericks at State Farm Arena. Then they take on the Toronto Raptors on Sunday. They need to pick up some wins because they got the Lakers coming to town next Tuesday. The Atlanta Hawks are in danger of missing out on the play-in game. They're better than this. In my opinion, on paper, I thought the Atlanta Hawks were maybe the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. I don't even know if they're the 10th best team in the Eastern Conference. I've said that Quinn Snyder was the problem. It's the chemistry with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. Hopefully they figure it out. I still wasn't sold on them shipping off John Collins because he was a good, efficient player. Kind of remind me of Al Horford in his prime with the Atlanta Hawks. Other games, you had the battle between the two players that will probably finish 1-2 in the Rookie of the Year voting. The Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Spurs 140-114. to Shai Gilgis-Alexander had 32 points. Victor Wimbenyama had 24. And don't look now, but the Oklahoma City Thunder are tied atop of the Western Conference with the Minnesota Timberwolves with a 31-13 record. I expect OKC and Minnesota to be good regular season teams. The Timberwolves did beat the Wizards 118-107 to on the road. Grizzlies get the win over the Miami Heat. As Terry Rozier's debut gets spoiled, you know, they shipped off Kyle Lowry because the Miami Heat just seemed to push all the right buttons. They're a very well-run organization. That was a tough home loss. The Bucks beat the Cavaliers in the first game since Adrian Griffin was fired. And Doc Rivers is going to be the new head coach in Milwaukee. They're still finalizing negotiations with Doc Rivers. They had an interim coach coaching the game. Phoenix gets the win over the road over the Dallas Mavericks, 132 to 109. Yeah, the Trailblazers beat the Rockets 137 to 131 in overtime. And the Detroit Pistons, they get the win 113-106 over the Charlotte Hornets at home, led by Bojan Boganovich is 34 points. The TNT games tonight, you got the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. I think the Heat might have just taken a day off yesterday because they get ready for primetime games, and I expect Jimmy Butler to be playing. He's just one of those players that will play in big games like this. And then the Sacramento Kings taking on the Golden State Warriors, a rematch of the first-round playoff game between the two Northern California teams that have been near and dear to my heart. I grew up a Golden State Warriors fan. I jumped the Sacramento Kings bandwagon from 97 to 2005, and I haven't looked back. I like both teams. What can I say? We're going to go ahead and take a break on the show, and when we come back, I'm going to have Tanya Chavez. She's coming on the show. You don't want to go anywhere. It's a Sports Beat with Richard Holders presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live, and we'll be right back. Yeah! Stick around. Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home. Offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control. 34 Jefferson Street, Noonan. 770-954-9941. And a good evening to everybody out there. Welcome to another edition of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. 
I'm so excited to be here. I've got a frequent guest of mine that is kind enough to come back on the show, taking time out of her busy schedule. It's Tanya Chavez, who is a soccer player who did play for several teams, but also is working in sports broadcasting. Tanya, how you been? Good. How about you? Oh, well, I've been busy, uh, but I wanted to get you on the show because, you know, you, you're definitely somebody that loves sports, that's interested in sports. And being from New Mexico, it, it seems like New Mexico is in the news right now. The New Mexico Lobos are currently ranked. Uh, your favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles, imploded. And I, I know there was talks about them firing Nick Sirianni, but it looks like they're they're going to keep them, and they're just going to fire all the coordinators. But uh, what's been going on with the uh, – let's start with the Philadelphia Eagles. What's been going on with the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, I saw they fired the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. Um, I was shocked that they didn't fire Nick Sirianni. But I just – I mean, we had a great start, strong start, looking good. And then, I don't know, about week 13, 14, it just started crumbling. And I just – I mean, I noticed, like, a different – attitude with the team it just looked like unenthused not having fun it just it didn't look like philadelphia it didn't look like the eagles i know yeah i mean they go from 10 and 1 to losing five out of their last six and i just think that a team with that much talent that free falls like they did limping into the playoffs and losing to the tampa bay buccaneers you know, you got to blame it on the coach. And uh, there's going to have to be some wholesale fire going on in the offseason because a team with an owner and a general manager that wants to win and the Eagles have had success winning, it was very odd to see them implode the way they did. Yeah, it, it was shocking. I just, I mean, I didn't recognize them and, I'll tell you the, that 49ers game that that started it. I mean, we got throttled. We got throttled by the 49ers. We could not stop the running game. Our defense just looked terrible from that day forward. And I mean, Christian McCaffrey tore us apart. We could not stop him. I mean, that, I mean, the 49ers were smart to just run the ball because we couldn't stop it. it. It was just like it didn't. <laughs> we looked like we were just chasing him. We couldn't tackle him. We couldn't even. Like none of the plays we were choosing for defense was working. It was just, it was terrible. It that that was the game when I noticed that we changed. I didn't recognize the Eagles from that game and for the rest of the season. And the way we started ten and one, I was thinking, hey, we we might go back to the Super Bowl. And then they started losing and looking different, and just no energy. Just they didn't look like they were happy, not having fun. I mean, even Jalen Hurts didn't look like himself and. I yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I feel like there's something going on in that locker room that nobody knows about. Tanya, do you think that Jalen Hurts regressed? I mean, he got the big contract. He really did not put up the numbers he did last year leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He had 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. You know, the wide receivers, AJ Brown and Devonta Smith had good seasons, but I actually think that it was the defense that let the Eagles down. Yes, they did lose several pieces like T.J. Edwards and Javon Hargrave, but they still had a defense that was physical, that had the most sacks in the league last year. You had playmakers like Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, 
And then a bunch of Georgia players like Jalen Carter and Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith, Nicobe Dean. It, why was the Eagles' defense so bad? I mean, it looked like they had to change defensive coordinators. They went to Matt Patricia. I mean, nothing worked, and the Eagles, in the end, just couldn't stop anybody. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, injuries do play into that. Um, I, like this, like when they switched the coordinators, I that's when things changed. And um, I mean, I was I heard that the reason why they did that is because the players didn't like what was going on, but it just seemed like it was working before they switched. And so I, I just, I'm not sure. It just, it didn't look like them. Um, to answer your question about Jalen Hurts, I mean, they kept mentioning he had an, a knee thing going on and I'm not sure if that was a problem. And, but um, yeah, he just didn't look himself either. Like he just wasn't the, the Jalen Hurts I saw last season and the season before just, like running, trying to make plays, like a playmaker, almost like Jackson from the Ravens, you know, just like running around, trying to make things happen, trying not to lose yardage, get sacked. And it, it just, I don't know what happened. Like, I mean, he had good wide receivers. He's, he had Smith, he had um, AJ Brown. And I mean, I'm not sure what, <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. It just, it just, it was just weird. It was just odd. Well, Tanya, we do have the conference championships coming up on Sunday. Uh, let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs have gone to six straight conference championships. The Baltimore Ravens are the number one seed, and they are hosting a playoff game for the first time in franchise history. And Lamar Jackson, he won MVP in 2019, regressed a little bit, but he came back and he overcame a bunch of injuries, and he's got weapons like Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr., but it seemed like even though the Kansas City Chiefs did not have a great regular season, they didn't have a number one receiver, they turned on the switch against the Buffalo Bills. And I do give them some uh, – They do. I do give them a chance to win this game because they are the Super Bowl champions. But it's going to be tough because the Ravens have the best defense in the league and they have a dynamic player in Lamar Jackson that I don't think any linebacker in this league – can cover him sideline to sideline. He is just that good. I see the Ravens winning, but it would not shock me if the Chiefs won. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I mean, all these games have been great, but I think this one's just going to be like tight, just come down to the last play. And with the Ravens being home, that, that plays a lot because they play well at home. And I just, I think they're a great team right now. They're they're one to be, I, I just kind of see... I kind of see the it's going to be Niners and the Ravens for the Super Bowl, but I mean you can't you like you said you cannot hold the the Chiefs down because they do come to play. They did have a rough season. They they lost some games in the middle there, and um, th like you said, they didn't look themselves at times. And the wide receiver part it wasn't there. I mean they had Kelsey with the tight end, um, but they had a rough season. But I just I think the Ravens are going to pull through with the home crowd and then Jackson the way he's playing he's just out of the world right now that guy is just making plays he's running like he's hard he's hard to tackle he's hard to stop I mean I saw him juke one of the um, uh, one of the players at the other game he was running and he just stopped and the guy just dove right past him and then and then he slid. So he wouldn't get tackled, but I mean, you know, it's just it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch that quarterbacks do that. 
And then finally, the NFC Championship. The Lions taking on the 49ers at Levi Stadium. The 49ers are favored by seven. They almost blew it against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers outplayed them and should have won the game. The 49ers were lucky. They played a terrible game, but a win is a win. They survive in advance. Brock Purdy didn't have a great game until the final drive. I think that the 49ers know that they played a bad game against Green Bay, and now they can play their game against Detroit, especially with the weather being a lot better. I really like the 49ers in this game, and if Debo Samuel plays, I really like their chances. I think if Debo Samuel doesn't play, I think that the Lions keep it close. The Lions are just happy to be here. I mean, I know it's it's a great story, and I am a believer in the Lions and the culture they're trying to establish. But let's just be honest that the Lions are here because, you know, the Packers upset the Cowboys and the Buccaneers upset the Eagles. I mean, you had the Cowboys and the Eagles, number one and number two teams in the NFC all year, go down in the first round of the playoffs. And I do think that this is a mismatch between the Lions and the 49ers, which, by the way, did meet once in the playoffs back in 1983 in the divisional round. But, yeah, Detroit has not won a road playoff game in over 50 years. Do they make history on Sunday? Or, no, you said the 49ers were going to win. Yeah, so I'm calling the 49ers, too. (laughs) I'm calling the 49ers because they're home. They've been there. They're ready. And as you said, the Lions are just happy to be there. But I'm still not counting them out. I mean, they're still going to go hard. They're going to, I mean, they want to make history. Who doesn't? Who does not want to make history? You want to make history. Um, But, I mean, the only thing the 49ers might have to watch is the running game from the Lions. They have a good running game. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the, they were playing in the rain the other night against uh, Green Bay. And like you said, I feel like that did have something to do with it. It was, it didn't look like the 49ers. Or, I don't know. Green Bay's just kind of just stepped on a different pedal during the playoffs. And um, I mean, the ball was thrown away in the last play there. I don't know what he was doing to throwing the ball out. He wasn't being pressured. And I mean, easy interception for the 49ers. And, but yeah, it's just, I just feel like the 49ers are going to do it. They're a good good team. They're strong. And I I am just wanting it to be 49ers and Ravens. Um, I, I'm hoping that's what it's going to be. I'm kind of tired of the Chiefs, so I'm just hoping the, the Ravens take care of that and see what, what happens from there. All right, Tanya, let's go ahead and switch gears and talk about college basketball because with you living in New Mexico, there is a team in the Mountain West that is ranked – and according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi, they will be making the NCAA tournament. And that's the New Mexico Lobos. In fact, one of the players on the Lobos is Jamal Mashburn Jr. I, mean, I remember Jamal Mashburn as a, as a player, played for the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. And the New Mexico Lobos right now are 16-3, and 4-2 in the Mountain West. Now, just because a team is ranked doesn't mean that they get into the NCAA tournament. But what does New Mexico have to do to impress the committee's uh, to to impress the committee with their resume to try to get into the NCAA tournament? Well, I mean, we went through this last season. They got ranked, and then the second they got ranked, they they blew out the next two games. So they need to keep winning um, to keep the ranking. Uh, especially these road games. I mean, they're they're at San Jose State tonight, and um, 
they just got to keep winning. And then, but the thing is, is we, for some reason, don't do well in the Mountain West Conference tournament down in Vegas. So we need to show better there as well. So, yeah, I mean, we've got some quality wins. We beat two ranked teams last week. Um, so as long as we keep winning, uh, especially on the road, I think that will impress the committee and we should get uh, a vote into the NCAA tournament. It's been a very long time that we've seen the New Mexico Lobos in the tournament. The New Mexico State Aggies have been going, but not the Lobos. So it'd be, it'd be a great story for us because we've been waiting for that. Yeah, they're going to have some tough games, including Colorado State, who's also ranked, and then they wrap up the Mountain West regular season on the road, taking on Utah State, that is ranked 18th. But they should be able to get in if they can get some more quality wins. Really, the, the key is to get to 25 wins because you're a team that doesn't really have an impressive resume out of conference, but the committee, when they see a team that gets 25 wins and they're in one of the weaker conferences, that is enough to impress the committee. But I, I think New Mexico can do it. I mean, 25 wins is, you know, they could win the majority of their games, maybe lose two more games and uh, still get into the tournament. So I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, but how are the New Mexico girls basketball team doing? They're doing pretty good. They won tonight. And um, they're... They're doing pretty good. They're they're right at the the like the top. They're not number one, but they're up there in the top half. And it's the same for them. I mean, they're not ranked or anything, but as long as they keep winning, and then they also need to do better in the Mountain West Conference tournament because they seem to just dwindle in there too. Um, I would love to see them go to the tournament again too. It's been a long time for them as well. And the thing is, is I know if they make it, they would probably get a home game. Um, we've hosted the women's NCAA tournament quite a few times, as well as the men. Uh, I don't think we'll host the men anymore. Just the, the pit got remodeled and it didn't get remodeled for bigger seating. But um, it would be nice to see that. And I, I actually go to physically go to the women's games and not so much the men's. I, I watch the men's on TV, but I love going to the women's game. It's it's fun and um, it's, it's just a great time. So I hope that happens because I would love to to go to that and see that happen. So uh, the thing is with the women is this, we don't have much of a bench. Uh, Mike doesn't use the bench too much. So I'm not sure if there's injuries or not. He's pretty quiet about it, um, but he's got like seven quality players that he rotates from. And so, you know, we got some strong guards and the, the men too. I mean, like you said, Jamal Mashburn Jr. He's great. He's a great shooting guard house point guard um so we've got we've got some strong players down here right now and as far as your career in uh, broadcasting I, I saw some pictures on social media that you're you're actually involved with the new mexico athletics or are you you're just a fan that you go like what 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 do you do exactly <laughs> i just go um my cousins have floor seats and what i mean for the women and I just usually just buy a bench seat and go down there and sit with them, honestly. So I pretty much sit courtside right across from the Lobo bench. Um, but yeah, I've done some uh, volunteering with the NCAA tournaments, the men's when we used to host them in the middle 2000s. And then the women, when we hosted them a few times too, I would just, you know, have the, would it, if it was ESPN for the women or CBS for the men, but I was like a team escort or a stat runner. I did 
many different things and I went to college for sports broadcasting and journalism. So it is, it is my passion. As you said, I love sports. You played soccer, uh, indoor soccer. Are you still playing or what, what's your uh, career been like? Yeah, no, I'm still playing. Um, I mean, New Mexico Lightning still on hiatus. We just, again, just don't have funding down here for women's sports too much. I mean, we've got New Mexico United and the USL. They get a lot of sponsorships around town, around the state. And then there's a men's MASL arena team, New Mexico Runners. So they get the second part of that for soccer. And it's just really hard for us women to, to get some sponsorships. I mean, it costs money to play home games. We try... They've been asking the New Mexico runners to, to do double headers and it's just too expensive. They want us to pay them like three grand a game or four grand a game. We just don't have that. So, I mean, we're still thought of in the PSL, the Premier Arena Soccer League. They, I mean, the they reached out to me last week and they're asking us to just go to nationals in Cincinnati in April, just as an at-large team. And so, I mean, maybe we could try to do that. Um, but yeah, I just... Um, you know, just not really playing in the league just because it's hard. I mean, last year, Austin, you know, playing with Austin was just too hard. I just would have to travel just to go play a game, and it's just too hard. <laughs> I wish we could do it here. Yeah, I I understand. Down here in Columbus, we are feeling just the, the, just the lack of funding. Um, as you know, you, you probably have heard that the Columbus Rapids have a dissolved uh, mm -hmm. that they do not exist anymore um, the NISL still exists uh, they were trying to get a indoor soccer team in Columbus but they wanted to change the name and unfortunately it, that that's not going to sit well especially with the the fans that have already you know laid the, down the foundation for the Columbus Rapids and uh, they wanted a fresh start and so they change the name to Foundry FC. However, uh, they they don't have a team. They don't have a coach. Mm -hmm. They don't have players. Um, they did have a schedule, and then they had a revised schedule where they didn't have any home games, that they were going to be a travel team. Still not a team yet. I mean, I don't know what is going on with Foundry FC. It costs money to turn on the lights at the Columbus Civic Center. We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars, and if fans aren't going to show up to the games – it is an absolute waste of money. But there is an expansion team in Georgia in the NISL, the Albany Aces. I watched their game on the NISL's YouTube channel when they were taking on the Fayetteville Fury. I don't know how the Fury are doing it. They're in year three, and they are thriving. The Memphis Americans are taking a hiatus. The Rome Gladiators took a hiatus two years ago. And the Columbus Rapids don't exist anymore. I still follow the league. You know, I still... You know, keep in touch with with members of the league, but I don't have any affiliation with uh, calling indoor soccer anymore, and uh, it's not a not a bad thing because it really paved the way for me to do broadcasting on Georgia Alabama Sports Live, and now I'm doing other sports. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I owe I owe a lot to the Columbus Rapids. I mean, it's now just memories. the The two years of Columbus uh, indoor soccer are now just memories. And we always have those videos on YouTube. Uh, they're not going anywhere. So people can just go back and just watch and how successful. And I'm, I'm here to say that the Rapids were successful in year one. And then year two was just a circus. I mean, I'm just going to come out and be real. 
Yeah, it's it's sad to hear that. Um, I was wondering what happened, and um, I mean, the thing is, is arena soccer is awesome. It is fast. It's pretty much nonstop. It's fun. It's it's different, you know. And I really enjoy it. I mean, I play outdoor too. I still play outdoor. I'm still doing both. I just miss that level, and I, you know, I was hoping that that league would just grow, and and then you know get on TV, get, get like a ESPN contract or something. Cause it got so popular. I'm still hoping for that. Cause I believe it's, it's a great game and people just don't know much about it. And like you said, it costs money to turn on the lights and I, mean, I can see why the New Mexico runners want so much money to do double headers. But it's the thing is, is they play in real Rancho at the real Rancho convention center. And it's like people sometimes just don't want to go way out there to watch a game. And, um, but I just, you know, I still have hopes before I get too old and maybe we'll get get in on the league again and bring women's semi-pro soccer back to New Mexico and Albuquerque. And and I just hope that you guys down there can get a team back on because it was sad to hear that. And you're, you're a great play-by-play commentator. I really enjoyed your games. I appreciate that, Tanya. And yeah. uh yeah, I really just appreciated your support and watching the games, and it, it was really a great time. And I've gotten to know the players, and I've even had them on my podcast. And and I'm not sure where the majority of them are now. Uh, I haven't really kept in touch with any of them. And it's just really sad because there was a lot of people that were heartbroken. <laughs> and I think that it's tough to run a professional franchise. I know this. And the ownership group just couldn't couldn't own the team. And so the league had to come in and and own the team and and when when I mean year 2 and and I'm I'm going to actually get on the Columbus Rapids podcast which still exists by the way. And uh I'm going to have an opportunity for former Rapids players, former people from the organization to to come out and just have a tell all basically Mm -hmm. what was going on behind the scenes and uh, some of their memories of uh, being a part of the Columbus Rapids organization, because I think it's very important that we remember that this was a success. Year one Mm -hmm. was a success. We had both news stations that were out getting highlights and the civic center was decent. It was packed some nights. I mean, they had weekend games, they had double headers you know, you had the women's team play, and then you had the men's team play. But year two was just, it was crazy. I mean, there were two Wednesday night games. They had a triple header. They were getting ready. And I think the biggest blow to the Columbus Rapids was when the general manager just walked away. He just mm-hmm. quit. Uh, but we were building up something special. And I just feel like this emptiness because it's not there anymore. And uh, luckily, I have a podcast where I can just come out and just say how I feel about the situation. But uh, as far as my broadcasting career, no, it, it has helped me um, go on to do other things like call collegiate baseball, you know, the Columbus Chattahoots, calling the Columbus Lions, high school football, basketball, baseball for Georgia Alabama Sports Live. I mean, I, I pretty much am doing other things now. No, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I can see why. Like I said, you do good doing the play-by-play, and you have a good voice for it, too. So, I mean, 
you know, I'm not surprised that you are doing all that. And yeah, I mean, it does like the emptiness. I know that feeling because that's how I felt with New Mexico Lightning. You know, it was just a great time playing and traveling and just, you know, playing at a high level, meeting great people along the way. And then it's no longer there. And people are always asking, when are you going to bring the team back? What's going on with the team? And it's like, I'm not even the owner of the team. I was the captain um you know the face of the team but it's just the same thing the ownership kind of just left as well and you know i it's just weird like i told you a while back i ended up having give, been given all the equipment all the jerseys and everything and so it's just i would love to bring it back it's it would be great to do double headers and it, it's just great for the city you know i just sometimes i just feel like the owner of the runners doesn't want that like you know honestly saying it just seems like he doesn't want to do double headers so and like we did it with the new mexico elite here in albuquerque they had a, a field at tingley coliseum and it, it worked right before the shutdown it was a lot of people coming out and like it, it would have worked if he would have kept that team going but that team just left as well so it's just it's sad I, I hope that you guys get a team back up on, in the NISL, and I really hope that league continues to grow or just keeps going. I appreciate that. Uh, Tanya, <laughs> it has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining me here on the Sports Beat. Uh, I can't believe I'm, I'm approaching my four-year anniversary that I've actually had this podcast. I started this podcast back in January 31st of 2020, and I've been on WQEE for almost two years now, and I've been going strong. I mean, I I haven't had the frequent guests like I did back in the days. Remember when you, you were coming on just about once every other week? Uh, mm-hmm. But I know that it's it's been busy because I've been calling a lot of games too. But uh, anytime you want to hop on, I mean, I, I will try to make time for you. I know that uh, we have the two-hour time difference, but uh, I, I appreciate you coming on and just talking about sports with me. Oh, yeah. Like I tell you, anytime, just let me know and we'll make it work. You know, like the two hour thing, it can be difficult, but I'll always give you the days I'm available and, you know, we'll make it work. I, I enjoy talking about sports as well. You know, I, I mean, baseball's coming up soon, so we'll have that and the Olympics. So there's stuff coming up. You know, I know summer is not as busy, but there's still like NWSL. And so there's still stuff coming up. Uh, you know, NBA is going to going to the playoffs, you know, NCAA tournament. So it's, it's a busy time right now. It is definitely busy time. It's Tanya Chavez. She is the midfielder from the New Mexico Lightning, captain of the New Mexico Lightning, and also a resident of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Just talks everything New Mexico-related sports. Thank you so much once again for listening to the Sports with Richard Holdridge. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we are out of here. Bye. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of the Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern. You'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. 
Hey everybody, welcome to another show here, The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. I'm happy to be here with a longtime friend of mine. I got to know him when he was the photographer for the Columbus Rapids. We also did a couple of episodes of a podcast called Columbus Rapids Weekly. I got him on the show because you got we got a big game this Sunday. Uh, my team, the San Francisco 49ers, is taking on his team, the Detroit Lions. I couldn't think of a better guess to get on the show than Matt Austin. Matt, welcome. How's it going? It is going great. All right, let's talk about the game. Uh, if, if you look at the Lions, they are a team of destiny. They really have defied all the odds. Uh, I really wasn't sure if they hired the right guy three years ago. I remember that press conference, Dan Campbell saying he's going to bite him in the kneecaps. I mean, it was funny. Uh, I just I thought that Dan Campbell was a good motivator. You know, the, his players are going to run through a wall for him. But I just didn't know if making the change from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff was going to pay off, and, and they actually improved last year. But did anybody see this coming? I mean, this is just incredible. The Lions are in the NFC Championship for the first time since 1992, and I know the Detroit Lions fan base has just got to be ecstatic. Uh, we are, uh, and I think I can speak for all Lions fans whenever I say that. Um, the the Jared Goff-Matthew Stafford trade, I remember when it happened and thinking, man, I'm not sure I like this move. Um but looking at all of the draft picks that came out of that and what they turned into, Sam Laporta, uh, Jameer Gibbs, you know, all these key role players on offense and on the defensive side of the ball, which I can't, I can't pull it from the top of my head right now, um, were fantastic. It ended up, Lions ended up winning that trade, and there's not a question. I agree, but they do have a very tough order because they got to go win a road playoff game, which they haven't done in over, uh, so I want to say 70 years since the 1950s. I mean, uh, I, I believe you're right. Okay. That's going to be tough. But if there's a team that could do it, it's the Lions because they, they do have a very well rounded team. I have pulled the, the draft picks that came from that, that trade. Obviously, Jared Goff for Stafford, uh, 2021 third round pick. Uh, Melifon Wu, the cornerback. Uh, 2022 first-round pick, Jamison Williams. 2022 second-round pick, Josh Paschal. 2023 first-round pick, Jameer Gibbs. 2023 second-round pick, Sam Laporta. 2023 third-round pick, Broderick Martin. And you look at that list of guys and the impact they're making offensively and defensively, and it is incredible. Like you said, we are playing at San Francisco. It's been a long time since the Lions have won a road playoff game. I think this game comes down to can the Lions cornerbacks, which has been the weak point for the Lions all year, match up with 49ers receivers and Brock Purdy. Now, that can be that can be solidified and can be changed by that defensive line getting pressure on Purdy. Because if they can get pressure, cut those windows down, that window of opportunity and that window of time down on what he has and decision-making-wise uh, can be a huge factor in this game. Matt, can the 49ers beat the Lions without Debo Samuel? <laughs> I think they can because we saw what, you know, and, and it's 
the the wild card matchup with um, Cooper Cup. You know, Lions decided Cooper Cup's not going to beat us, right? And then you had Puka Nakua go off for what was it, two hundred yards or something like that? It's some ridiculous. No, just about. And and it could be any guy. Like I said, the Lions' defensive backs are not all stars by any means. And the 49ers are favored by seven. Uh, the temperature and the weather, it looks like it's going to be perfect weather for Brock Purdy, who just can't seem to throw the football in bad weather. Uh, I think that he actually finished the narrative and silenced the critics with that incredible drive. Even though the 49ers should have lost to Green Bay, Green Bay outplayed them for most of the game. Uh, the Lions just had a very close one-point victory over the Rams. Uh, a lot of people were picking the Rams for the upset in the wild card game. I thought that the Lions, you know, they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as best as they could play because the Buccaneers were a week nine and eight that won an NFC South that was bad. And then they beat an Eagles team that was hobbling going into the playoffs. So really the measuring stick for the Lions and how good they are. I mean, Matt, I was looking at the schedule. I mean, they got blown out by Baltimore. They got blown out by Green Bay at home on Thanksgiving. They should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. It was a one-point loss. But if you look at their schedule, I mean, they yes, they do have some impressive wins, but they also got blown out by Baltimore. They've gotten blown out by Green Bay. They lose to Seattle at home in overtime. I mean, I mean what are we going to expect on Sunday from the Detroit Lions? First of all, I'm going to say this out loud. Taylor Decker reported in that Cowboys game. <laughs> um, yes, he did. <laughs> So and and the the early loss, I mean that loss to the Seahawks, that being the first loss of the year, that was a uh, he had to earn that touchdown late to to win that game for Seattle. Um, uh, Lions losing on Thanksgiving, that's become tradition, uh, just about like anything else. Uh, to be honest, Richard, I was not impressed with the 49ers against Green Bay. Um, I was pulling for Green Bay. And from a Lions fan, that's like an Auburn fan pulling for Alabama. Uh, oh, yeah. Very difficult. Um, but if the Packers had won, the, we would be talking about another game at Ford Field this season. Um, I, I really – I think the Lions have what it takes to win this game. I think the 49ers have what it takes to cover the spread too. Like this game is a coin flip to me. Um, and I think Brock Purdy has, in my mind, it feels like he's come out of nowhere being Mr. Irrelevant just a few years ago. Well, I'll be honest with you, Matt, when Brock Purdy is faced with adversity, like if Debo Samuel leaves the game, or when he throws a couple of picks, like in the Christmas game against Baltimore, where he threw four interceptions, he has a hard time coming back from that. The key is that the 49ers, they have got to get the ball first. They got to score on that secondary, expose the weakness, get it to George Kittle, get it to Brandon Ayuk open in the flat. If Debo Samuel plays, do some jet sweeps, just throw Detroit off their game because I think that the Detroit defense can stop the run. They do a very good job. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, he's just a world-class athlete and that was a great pickup getting an edge rusher like him that can get to the quarterback. I think that Detroit needs to put him on the left side because him going up against Trent Williams, uh Trent might take him out of his game. 
I think that the 49ers need to score early and make Jared Goff work the field. Don't give up the big plays. Jared Goff is a good precision quarterback. I think that Jared Goff is going to be able to pick apart that 49ers defense if he has time to throw the football. But he's not a more he's not a mobile quarterback, Matt. He is a statue back there and I think that he needs to get some mobility. The 49ers have seen him five times when he played with the Rams. They know Jared Goff, but I think that the key is run the football with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs because you look at what Aaron Jones did against that 49ers defense. Aaron Jones was able to move the football, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, when Aaron Jones broke that 50-yard run, I actually threw my phone. I was about to turn off the TV. I said, it's over. I I said, it's over. The the 49ers are going to lose to Green Bay, and you know they – Really, Green Bay choked that game away. I, I mean, I'm just saying that with full confidence. They did, and and that so so the the you know we we've highlighted Brock Purdy and the receivers against Detroit's defensive backs. We know that that's a matchup to watch. On the other side of the field, if the Lions can find success running the ball, which that's their bread and butter, they're they're not a team that likes to throw the ball, especially throw the ball deep. You know, you're looking at five-yard routes, 10-yard routes, max. Um, if they can run the ball and and just pound it between the tackles, uh, you saw Jameer Gibbs and his vision against uh, the Buccaneers on that touchdown run that he had, which ended up being the longest run of the day, which prior to that, the longest run was Jared Goff for seven yards or eight yards or something like that. Like, when that's your longest run, you're going into the third quarter – Buck's defense was playing lights out against the run. Um, but I think if if the Lions can get David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs going, like you said, that will open up Amon Ross St. Brown. That will open up Jamison Williams. That will open up the Sam Laporta and, and get that play action going. Then you've got 49ers starting to cheat up. I think the key for the Lions to win this game is to get the running game going. The key for the 49ers is can they air it out against this not great Lions defensive backs. Matt, I do want to say that even though as a 49ers fan, I mean, I'm rooting for the 49ers to get back to the Super Bowl, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the Detroit Lions upset the 49ers and they go to their first ever Super Bowl. I know the entire country is going to be pulling for the Lions. If that happens, what is the most intriguing Super Bowl matchup that you want to see? My best friend is a Ravens fan, and during the regular season when that matchup happened, we were actually on the way back from Nashville together. And so I would love to be able to watch the Super Bowl with him and avenge that regular season blowout that happened. <laughs> I feel like a second shot at the Ravens is the is the key. I know we've we beat the Chiefs week one. Uh that was a Chiefs team without Travis Kelsey. Uh, and I feel like that was kind of one of those games where it felt like the Chiefs were going to come back at any moment. And I don't want that matchup again. <laughs> We've already beat them once this year. I don't want to have to beat them again because I don't think they will. Uh, so I would love to see a Lions Ravens Super Bowl. I think that's what everybody else wants to see. Nobody wants to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl once again. I don't care if the casual 
football fan that all of a sudden started watching football because of Taylor Swift. We cannot have Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. It just cannot happen. Now, I'm sure everybody saw the video of Jason Kelsey in Buffalo this past Sunday. Uh, I would love to see another shirtless Jason Kelsey jumping out of the suites uh, <laughs> watching Travis in the Super Bowl. I feel like that would be comedy gold. Uh, and uh, that would be the only reason that I would want to see the Chiefs is because of Jason Kelsey uh, being a fan instead of being on the field. Um, but I would love a, a Ravens, Ravens, Lions, Super Bowl. All right. Well, uh, I guess time for a prediction, Matt. Uh, who you got in the AFC Championship and who do you got in the NFC? Uh, AFC Championship. I have Ravens winning a shootout. Uh, let's say... 45-42. Uh, I feel like Lamar Jackson's going to put up points. We know the Chiefs are going to put up points. I I mean, the Ravens' defense realistically is better than 42. I just want to see a lot of offense in that game. Uh, so give me give me the Ravens. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my score here. Give me the Ravens. Uh, 31-28. They'll have a field goal early, then they'll exchange touchdowns. Ravens score late to win it. Uh, NFC Championship game, I'm going total homer. Lions by 50. Uh, No chance the the 49ers even get in the end zone. It's going to be a blowout. We've had two close games coming into this one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Realistically, uh, Lions 28-24. Those are good picks, Matt. Uh, looking forward to watching those games. Uh, definitely enjoy having you on. Uh, definitely would love would love to get you back on. Uh, you know, our uh, paths will always be forever tied to the Columbus Rapids, and I always appreciate talking about the Rapids and just talking about sports with you. Talking sports is always fun. Uh, I don't I don't get to do it very often, so uh, I'm a little out of practice with it. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is Matt Austin. He is a lifelong Detroit Lions fan and former photographer from the Columbus Rapids and also a broadcaster, and I always enjoy having Matt on the show. That's it. Well, that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for watching us and uh, listening to us on WQEE. Uh, We're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge on WQEE. We'll be right back. This is the show, and we're not going to change it. Hey, sports fans, weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern, drive time on WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. 
You've been listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge presented by Georgia Alabama Sports Live. You can catch an episode daily on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, Monday through Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. This is a podcast that covers local sports to the Chattahoochee Valley. If you would like to catch a replay of the show, you can download an episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.